3: Welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Here's Bruce Levine, up. I'm Matt Spiegel. A little Eric Church music by request for our uh, next guest, Bruce Levine. The eighth
1: of the Chicago Cubs, uh, the veteran world champion of the Chicago Cubs important player in the Chicago Cubs and our friend uh, John Lester joins us on inside the clubhouse on a Saturday morning. Good morning, John. How are you? First and foremost, uh, the family, yourself, everybody in your area. How have you uh, been doing physically, uh, mentally uh, during these tough periods?
4: Uh, I mean,
1: physically, everything's good.
4: Family's good. Um, You know, laying low and, and all that stuff. I mean, I'm sure I'm with everybody else on the mental side of it where it's, you know, it gets a little old just kind of sitting around not doing anything. So, um, you know, hopefully we can kind of get some life back into everybody and get back going, doing what we're uh, used to
1: doing.
3: Do you do any uh, any active farming, John? You doing any work uh, on, on, on your farm these days as uh, you've had all this time on your hands?
4: Uh, I haven't done anything at the farm, no. I went actually just went down there yesterday, took the boys down there fishing and and kind of putted around down there. But uh, we got a, like a little garden in in the backyard. I've been I've been messing around with and doing that, but uh, no, nothing nothing down on the farm. I got got the people that know what the heck they're doing doing that and, and taking care of that for me.
1: Dan, uh, as as us as. Is- Uh, Fans of the games, um, first and foremost, we're all fans, whether you play or you broadcast or you watch it. uh, We love the game. Uh, What should fans, you being a veteran of so many years and uh, uh, negotiations that you've seen between players and owners, what should we as fans pay attention to when we hear uh, posturing going on on both sides? and the, the intricacies of being able to return to a normal half season of baseball? Well, I think the biggest
4: thing, and I mean, I'm guilty of it, just like everybody else, is you can't believe everything that's put out there. Um, you know, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we had stuff being leaked that you know, wasn't even presented to the players yet. So there, there's, there's just a lot of stuff. I think people have a lot of time, obviously, on their hands to um, – I don't want to say fabricate stories, but, you know, really try to dig and find things, uh, possible leaks and and so forth. So I think the biggest thing is you can't, you can't believe every little word that's written, um, about either side. You know, I think either side right now has been, has been great. You know, we're really trying to work towards an agreement, uh, to get this thing going. I think everybody's main concern is, is the safety. You know, we, we, the, the other stuff we can kind of figure out as we go, but uh, you know, players and, and, and owners and all this stuff, doctors, everybody wants to be safe. So we don't want to rush into this thing and, and start risking, um, you know, health. So not only health based on, you know, the, this pandemic, but health, you know, physically for the player, when it comes to, you know, shortened spring training uh, and, and trying to get revved up for a, for a season, you know, that fast. So, uh, th- th- I think that's the main thing that players are focusing on. Owners are focusing on is the health. And then the, you know, obviously the, the other
3: stuff will will
4: fall when uh, we can kind of figure out the testing and so forth.
3: A uh, John the sixty seven page document with all the safety protocols and how baseball might do the testing and how it might look, it was daunting. Um, and it seemed extremely thorough. Wondering how that was received from your perspective, if you thought MLB was looking out for, for your safety as it went through that and, and you personally as a as a cancer survivor, how you're feeling about um, you know, th- the level of safety that, that the game will be able to provide to you?
4: Yeah, I mean I think I think everybody's like I said, everybody's main concern is safety. And anytime you get a group of people in a room or on a phone call or on a zoom call or whatever it may be, you're going to have a million different opinions and a million different questions. So when that, when that was laid in front of us, and then you you hear all the information, you're immediately going to have questions. And sometimes you have the same question as another guy. You just word it differently. So it takes a while to get through this stuff. It's not just going to happen overnight. Um, But like, like I said, MLB, from the owner side of it to the player side of it, we're, we're we're bending over backwards to try to get this this health side of it figured out. Um, you know that there there we have our own testing facility, um, so we're not taking anything away from the public as far as that. Um, so I think there's a lot of positives in it. It's just like I said, you get you get all these players and all these owners on on phone calls and stuff like that. You're going to have a million different questions that people have to or want to get answered in order
1: to move forward. That's the voice of John Lester. This is Inside the Clubhouse with uh, Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine. We're here for you every week, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball from 9 to 11. John, uh, what are the personal challenges of John Lester after going through one spring training and now the reality of another for three weeks, getting back, to baseball at your age and uh, your experience, without having left some things behind in the first spring training and moving forward to uh, the unknown of an 82-game season.
4: Uh, I think I think the biggest challenge is just the unknown. Uh, you know, we've had some some phone calls with you know with Rossi and, and other players and, and you know our pitching coach Tommy. Uh, you know, and that and that's. That's really everybody's concern, but for me especially, I I just don't. I don't want to get ramped up for an unknown date, and you know, kind of have to turn it back down. So it's a fine line of of keeping the arm moving, playing some catch, doing some things. um, You know, not necessarily, you know, maybe getting off the mound right this second. Um, But I, I think you just once we get this date, then you can kind of, you know, I've been doing enough stuff to to be able to build, and I feel like you, you're just kind of, you know, mentally waiting for that date, and once that date hits, it's like, okay, now I go. Um, so that's been kind of the challenge is just is balancing the unknown of, you know, every year you work towards February 14th or February 18th or whatever it is for spring training, so you have that date, that end date in mind, you know, when you're working out in November or December and you're throwing in January, like, okay, I'm building towards... This date, um, you know, right now there's there's no date to build towards, so it's kind of, you know, that 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 unknown is, is kind of throwing you off mentally. It's like you can't really get after, you can't really prepare like you would for for normal normal spring training. You know, be, that being said, when you get there, um, whatever that date may be, you know, I know, you know, our medical staff, our, our coaching staff, we're all going to be. Errant on the side of caution to get guys ramped up. So, you know, we
1: definitely don't want to be coming in first day and throwing to, you know, throwing an inning or two
4: innings or whatever to hitters in, and now you're pushing yourself back where you you possibly can't even play 81 games or 82 games. So um, there's just that fine line, and I think, like I said, the biggest thing is just the unknown.
3: John, it's been so crazy to realize how unique and individual everybody's situation is in terms of, what they can do to be ready. You know, we've talked to some pitchers who have a net in the backyard and some pitchers have a mound uh, in the backyard and some pitchers, some guys don't, you know, what's, what's your setup at home? Do you have enough stuff to do anything you want to do? Do you have somebody who could catch you if you wanted to throw off the mound at, at, at full strength at some point?
4: Yeah, I got a, I got a, uh, enough stuff um, downstairs in my house to, take care of what i need to take care of and stay stay where i need to stay as far as uh strength wise you know going into a spring training so i've got that you know that benefit um and i do have a a kid that i've I've thrown to probably the last well since i moved up to atlanta five years or so um and, and he actually just took a job with uh last year with the dodgers as a bullpen catcher so i got a I got a catcher I can throw to and and throw off the mound. And there's a local high school up here that we go and play catch in the football field and baseball field. So, um, you know, it's nice being down in Atlanta and having the weather and having the opportunity to get outside and, and still, you know, be safe, um, but also get your work done.
1: John, uh, how can baseball better market baseball players? And I've been, you know, I, I worry about the sport. I worry about, uh, you know, the fact that other sports continue to market their players in a better fashion. I've heard from uh, people in ownership and uh, front offices saying that the arbitration system works against baseball because of the fact that uh, that can be used in, if a, a, a player is marketed to a high level on certain teams. What what are some of your thoughts about how baseball can better sell itself uh, during games themselves and and in general to make the players more interesting and also more uh more present in in people's lives
4: um you know Bruce I don't know you know I think that's really an individual thing um you know I know it, it took me a long time to to kind of let my guard down and let let some people in and and do some different interviews and do some different things, allow people to come to the farm, you know, seven, eight years ago, I probably wouldn't have done that. Um, so I think it's an individual thing. I think now too, there's so much social media. There's so much, uh, of your own branding that, you know, guys are kind of doing it on their own. They don't need a baseball team to do that. They don't need the Chicago Cubs to do that for them. Um, you know, and, and just like any any other sport, you know, you have you have the stars, you have the guys that that draw the attention of the camera for whatever reason, whether they be you know the, the better players of the team or just a, a you know a more personality type player, um, you know, whatever that may be. Like I said, I think it's an individual thing. I think anytime a team tries to do something, it come it comes across to the players as. Kind of forced, um, uncomfortable. You know, I think if you allow the player to, to be themselves and to kind of have their own ideas and then the team go along with them, I think you're going to get, you know, more of that, of what that player or that individual is actually like. Um, you know, I know they've started miking guys up during spring training games. You know, that that's a perfect time to do it because it is a little more relaxed. Uh, during the regular season, I don't think. You know I, know, I know for me on a personal level, if I'm pitching and I got, you know, player A over here on, the, on on a microphone talking to some analyst during a game, I don't really feel like he's focused in everything he needs to do in a regular season game. You see what I'm saying? Like, so there's like a fine line there of, uh, of, of getting that involved. Um, you know, like I said, I think number one is the individual, is, is the, pl- the player, the person himself and, and what he wants to do. Uh, to, to market himself, to, to brand himself in, in the game.
3: I, I think that's wise. I think that the guys who are willing to share and are expressive should be encouraged, uh, as opposed to trying to drag everybody up to a to a certain level. That ma- that makes a lot of sense. What what the game can control is is maybe a rule here or there to make the game more interesting. I I, I miss action, John. I don't I don't know about you, but I miss. I miss balls in play um, as opposed to home runs or strikeouts and do you think you think the game would be served by trying to find a way to tweak a couple of things to to give us uh, give us more action more fielders moving around more runners running around the bases?
4: yeah, I don't know I mean I, I think I think they kind of tried that with the new baseball that um, they won't admit that they put in play um, and, and then that produced more home runs. so you know now you've got. I think their intentions were to do that, were to, to allow more balls in play, but then that turned into a driving range, basically. They're out there, you know, guys are out there hitting title as Pro B1s as opposed to, you know, right. I think a more fair ball. I think if you if you want more action, then yeah, you can go somewhere in between where where we've been, you know, the, the playoff ball of this year and then the regular season ball. Um, you know, I think, Right now in our era and what we're teaching, you're not going to result in more balls in play. You know, you you are in the the aspect of power, you know. um, You're going to result in more doubles, more home runs, uh, stuff like that. But as far as choking up and putting the ball in play, you know, Bruce, you were talking about the arbitration process. These guys that get called up know what's getting them paid in arbitration, and it's not singles to the opposite field. Right. It's slug, it's OPS, it's home runs, it's, you know, it's all this stuff. So, it, you, you've created, through this, you've created your own problem, basically, in baseball. Is, is Guys started getting paid for these numbers, and now you're, you're reaping, or you're seeing, the I guess, the neg- negative side of it. Um, guys are stronger, they're throwing faster, um, you know, you're preaching more spin rate, uh, you're, you're preaching uh you know not you're not you're not worried about location, you're just throwing the ball as hard as you can and spinning it as hard as you can. So that's that's a perfect that's a perfect storm for okay, if I make a mistake and the guy clips me, it's a homer. If if I don't, I just throw hard enough to where he swings and misses and now I've got strikeouts, walks, home runs, you know, that's the game we're in right now. Uh I think everything will loop back around. You know, I think owners are always looking for ways to, to cut costs and, you know, they'll find a, a new metric that means more to them than OPS and that'll change the player into something else. You know, the players are always evolving, the owners are always evolving um, so like I said I, I I think the game is a big ebbs and flows game and I think right now we're, we're in one of these um, I guess fast of of the game and Uh, I think everything will kind of loop back
1: around, hopefully, next couple years. John, uh, Matt and I really appreciate you joining us today, and all the best to you and your family. We hope we see you soon. My last question to you is this. When the first player does indeed test positive, how do you think uh, that will follow with the rest of the group, and do you concern yourself with your conversations with teammates and other people in the game as to how, the reaction to that will uh, occur and how baseball will handle that.
0: You know,
4: I think that, that's kind of a lot of the conversations we're having right now. Um, you know, that's that, that trust factor in our medical staff. You know, we, I can speak for the Cubs. We've got a great medical staff that bends over backwards for us and does amazing work. And so if we are getting back and we are playing – You know we we need to have this open line of communication and talking to where if something like this does happen you know we need to be informed I think that's really the big thing for players is we want information as well you know you can't just tell us to come back and play and expect us to just to turn turn our heads and go okay yeah we'll play with this risk so as long as we have the information and the doctors have a plan for something like this to happen that makes everybody feel more comfortable, and then, you know, if if it does, then we have this protocol in place to where, uh, you know, whatever that may be, quarantine, um, more testing. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a long list of things that we can possibly do. Um, but like I said, that that's that's a that's a huge topic of conversation right now with with both sides. Is is trying to figure out the steps uh, of which. Uh, that you know, kind of how to handle this thing going forward. Um, everybody's ultimate goal, obviously, is to get back in, into play, and that's not only for the players and the owners, but for, but for the fans more importantly, and for the country. I think we all need we all need to take our minds off of what's going on and and, and get back to playing and having sports and trying to get a little bit back to, to normalcy if we can. So we're all striving to get there, and and hopefully we can do that soon. Um, but, you know, just know that it's a process right now, and, and it may take a minute, but but we're trying to get there.
1: Matt, we appreciate it. I mean, Matt, sorry. John, we appreciate it very much. Uh, hope to see you soon where baseball is being played, and it's being played in a, a healthy, happy, harmonious way. Thanks again for joining us on Inside the Clubhouse today.
4: No problem, guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, take John. care.
1: John Lester. Matt, uh, a lot uh, said by John Lester, not, not something that we, we're not used to uh, these days, knowing uh, how uh, thoughtful John is when he gets into subject matter, how comfortable he has been uh, mm-hmm. being a Chicago Cub and, and being a part of this city and this championship here back in 2016. Just a uh, you know, remarkably uh, insightful guy.
3: Well, when he, he, absolutely, Bruce. You think about what that man has been through in his life. I mean going through cancer after some success in Boston and then conquering it and coming back and having more success. And then coming here, with a being traded to Oakland in the middle of a season, being a free agent, coming here struggling first as a free agent, then he's been open about how that was uh, such a big mental challenge and, and recovering and resuming his life as an ace for a while and now aging gracefully all the while 12 straight seasons of 30 starts or more, Bruce. It's, uh, yep, it's astonishing, pretty, really, the level incredible. of physical and mental maturity it takes to do that.
1: Your takeaway from the John Lester interview received here at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 6711. He and I will both jump into this. Uh, some takeaways from this interview, which I, I found uh, pretty fascinating on a lot of different levels, Matt.
3: Absolutely. So dial it up at 312-644-6767. Phone lines are open. You can text us at 670-11. Also, anything you want to talk about in terms of the safety protocols and the negotiations um, for baseball that are underway and will continue this coming week, you can talk about it with us. He's Bruce. I'm Matt. It's Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. welcome back in on 670 The score listening to inside the clubhouse bruce levine john lester is uh, an awfully thoughtful guy um and pretty open these days and uh you know I, i there was a lot of interesting stuff in there from how to market the game to how the players are looking at this moment in time to the health and safety protocols. what 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 was your big takeaway from that John Lester conversation?
1: Well, Matt, uh, my biggest takeaway, and by the way, I'm calling everyone Matt today for the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> it's about time. It's about time everybody my, went with the greatest name. There you go. My, my biggest takeaway was that he uh, he had an opportunity to say, "Hey, you know the owners aren't treating us well. We're right. they're wrong." And instead, He backed away from all that, saying, look, um, I I don't uh, want anyone to listen to the players. I don't want anybody to listen to the owners. Uh, We just want to get a job. We we just want to get this thing done and get back to playing baseball. To me, uh, that was truly uh, the the centerpiece of what John Lester represented today on the score, is the fact that um, don't listen to all the stuff out there. And he even included himself, Matt, saying that, you know, he gets caught up in, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, well, they were promised this or that, but that uh, they are truly trying to get something worked out, that something should get worked out, and that we need baseball back, and he wants to be a part of that.
3: Yeah, it's a conciliatory tone that's wise to take, and... um Boy, I, I I wish I wish that tone was taken more by those who have a bigger blowhorn um, than than John Lester but I'm glad John's been
1: around a long time Matt you know and, mm-hmm. and I think that's the key he's seen yeah. he he has seen that the self-destructive image of baseball works for nobody you know the idea that uh, fans would actually care if the players got more or the owners got more you know we yeah. we know that's not the case e- even people who, uh, whose lives, like yours and mine, are impacted by uh, whether games are played or not. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't care if uh, the players get more money or if the owners get more. It, it really is, is not a function of me as a fan or me as a reporter. It's, it's all about you know, getting the, the best quality game out there on the field and enjoying that. That has not changed for me, and I'm sure not for you, from the time that you were seven years old and first enjoying baseball till now. It's just, give me the best quality, give me the best performance out in the field, and I, I don't care how you split up your money.
3: Yeah, it, it, that is absolutely true. And in fact, some of the conversations that we've had recently is as we've talked about the possibility of, of rejiggering the system that, that might need to take place. Anytime I ever bring that stuff or think about that stuff up, Bruce, it's just in terms of like, my God, can we make the game... Um, easier to happen when there is, uh, a, you know, a, an, an impasse like this? Can we make things a little more equitable so more fans can have a chance to have a good team? Those kind of things, it's it's always there in the back of my mind. To, to that point, um, anytime Rob Manfred says something uh, inflammatory, it goes against the best interests of the game. And he's backed off that of late. Anytime... You know, Tony Clark says something inflammatory. Even if he, he believes it firmly, you know, it just doesn't need to be said. It really doesn't do any good to put it out there. Or Scott Boris, through perhaps some of his people in the media, when certain things get out there that is inflammatory and incendiary, it just doesn't serve any purpose at this point to have that stuff out there.
1: No, and, and the, the, I, myself, you, the common fan, we can't relate to an uh, $11 billion industry and how that's divided up. It's it's really, it, it's only our concern from the fact is that as fans, we contribute to it and that it's been hammered home more now than ever uh, how impactful the fans are to this game. We always knew it. We always knew all the money comes from the fans, but now it's more direct as to watching them uh you know, try to divide up that money from the fan base and from the season ticket holder and the ticket holder and uh, who should get more. I mean, it's like, you know, you know they're serious, Matt, when we start hearing less, okay? And I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that this conversation with John Lester and uh, this conversation this week with the players will give us a chance to hear less from both sides for about a week or 10 days so that they can get this thing done
3: well in the meantime when guys like John Lester take that tone it can be beneficial when guys like Ian Happ who was on the score earlier this week with Dan Bernstein um, it can can take that kind of tone it can it can be beneficial and, and Ian Happ's comments made it around the internet a little bit um, let's hear a little bit of what he had to say about the safety protocols and some of his concerns about uh, what the players have received from the owners so far.
5: I think it covers all of our bases to make sure that guys feel comfortable that we're taking every possible precaution as restrictions are lifted. And as things become uh, a little bit better, I think some of these rules can be relaxed. I do think there's, there's some things in there that we'll have to take a look at just for player preparation, because it's important that we we're not taking away from the product on the field and health and safety extends beyond the virus and, and what we're talking about in that sense, and to players' health and safety on the field, because you don't want to take away from uh, what guys use for preparation and then get them hurt on the field.
1: And, uh, you know, it's interesting that John told us how Major League Baseball is funding their own medical, and uh, our previous conversation about whether uh, yeah. whether people out there in general would have the same chances of getting tested as Major League Baseball. I think he helped correct me in my assumption uh, that it wouldn't be equal that Major League Baseball is funding that themselves. I think that was a, an integral part of what he talked about and something that resonated with me.
3: Yeah, he, he's, he said that baseball will be using its own lab, so it won't be taking the tests from people. Now, I, I he's talking about the lab in Salt Lake City, so that's the mm-hmm. anti-doping lab that MLB uh, has worked to convert to a testing facility. Now, the tests themselves, um, that's where the saliva test that, uh, that we talked about in the first segment of this show came in. If they can perfect and utilize and produce in mass those saliva tests, then it absolutely is not taking anything from the, the stockpile that uh, the hospitals need so desperately. But to but your point, yes, for, for Lester, for a player to share that, as uh, as an understanding that, that both sides need to make sure the message gets out there, we want to come back and we want to do what's right in terms of coming back, is, is important.
1: Bob Costas was on with Mully and Haw earlier in the previous week, and he talked a little bit about the medical sides uh, of uh, the situation and, and how uh, this will impact the game going forward. Let's listen to uh, Bob Costas on Mully and Haw earlier in the week talk about baseball returning.
5: Looking at that 67-page document, you'd have to say uh, that they've gone over everything with a five-tooth comb. They seem to have anticipated every eventuality. They seem to have uh, gone to the greatest possible lengths, if they're going to do this at all, uh, to make it as safe as possible, underline as possible. But then you say to yourself, even if they do everything right, Even if their intentions are perfectly good, there's just so many possible pitfalls. I hope they're able to start Fourth of July weekend. I hope they're able to continue without interruption through to a World Series, even if it's at a a neutral site in November, even if there are no fans in the stands, as must be the case. I'd love to see some baseball, and millions of Americans would love to see it. And I hope that their plan plays out without serious problems. But this is a tightrope walk. It is so difficult to get from one side to the other across that tightrope. I have my fingers crossed that they can make it, but I wouldn't say with absolute certainty that they will.
3: Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I I think as, as we've all gotten a chance to have this stuff kind of sit around and, and resonate with us a little bit, you realize the daunting task of trying to do this and how it is going to come fraught with 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 troubles, and it's just a matter of how you deal with the troubles at that point, whether a positive test means a team gets shut down or a facility gets shut down or whether things will have progressed enough by then that we know a little bit more and can deal with it a certain way. It's, it, it, you know, it all may be, um, it all may be just a little bit uh, moot. You know, I guess nothing's a little bit moot, but it all may be that, that agreements get made and decisions get made and still we are not quite ready as a country. That possibility does exist
1: yeah, it does. but uh, you know it, it's it's a hard reality to deal with right now, but we've all been getting used to that over the last couple of months. And I think baseball, you know, they will have the best educated people in the world once uh, this thing is agreed to. And they will know, Matt, they will know that someone will test positive, that there will be a way to deal with this, that there will be a way for, For the other players and everyone else to be safe and move on. And this will be something that will be having having been agreed to by the players to play and the players to accept the reality of this situation. So that is the heart of this. You know, the players are the ones that are mostly going to be dealing with playing the game, being the product, and in this case, being the medical guinea pig as well. So... When they talk about being compensated, I think many of them, when you hear their voice out there, you're also hearing, by the way, you're not only asking us to be the product and the worker, which we are uniquely, as, as all athletes are in sports that get paid, but you are now asking us to be the guinea pig in front of millions and millions of people on a daily basis. And that is unique in this situation with baseball going forward, uh, what it appears to be first before the other
3: sports. It's 6-7 in the score. When we're done at the top of the hour, it'll be Mark Grody, Steve Rosenblum from 11 until 2. At 2 o'clock, it's Cubs-Giants from September 4th, 2016. And then after that game, uh, it is Zach Zabin hosting right here on the score up until 8 p.m. We'll step away, come back for a final segment on Inside the Clubhouse. You'll hear from the Hall of Fame writer Peter Gammons, who had some thoughts worth sharing on Mully and Haw this week. And the phone lines remain open for you at 312-644-6767. Texters have gotten in, and we'll share some of that as well at 6711. Right here on 670, the score.
5: I didn't need 22 years to think about it. That's the way (laughs) I viewed it during Game 6 in Salt Lake City. If that play happens in the middle of a regular season game it isn't even worthy of a comment he'd made the move russell clearly was beginning to stumble out of his way and he hits the shot the outrage would have been if he had been called for a foul and that's not because he's michael jordan that's not because of the drama of the situation that's just an objective basketball judgment that was nothing it
3: had no effect on the play See, when you get Bob Costas on like Mully and Haw did this week, Bruce, it's um, you got to ask him. You can ask him about just about anything, and certainly the last dance and Michael Jordan came up. That was Costas talking about that last shot against Brian Russell. The way he referred to it yeah. in the documentary was the equivalent of a Mater D helping a restaurant goer to his table.
1: Later on, uh, I believe Bob told uh, both uh, Mully and Haw the meaning of life. <laughs> uh, that was a, that was also a part of it. So, well, Bob is so well versed. It's true. I mean, all all kidding aside, he's been there for so, so many of the most important sporting events in history over the last uh, 40 years that it's 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 incredible to have him on and what a great guest he was with them last week.
3: Bob and Joe Madden are doing something this week where they are going to be talking together about World Series Game 7, I remember that, in 2016, and a lot more on a live stream to benefit COVID-19 relief that is taking place on Cameo on Tuesday the 26th, that's this Tuesday, at uh, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, it's 10 p.m. Central Time. And uh, that's going to be on right after the rebroadcast of that game, which is happening on ESPN that night. So folks can check that out, and you can go to respect90.org, Joe's website, to learn about this stream and uh, other details on how you can check out Joe and Bob Costas together, streaming live on Tuesday night.
1: Matt, I I know we were going to play some Peter Gammons, but I'd I'd rather get, for our last few minutes here, before we turn over to our... Good friends, uh, Rosie and Mark Grody. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the impact of baseball coming back on television and radio. I, I believe, you know, that uh, once the uh, baseball is back, that the t- television and radio ratings are gonna be at all time highs for the rest of this year, including starting with baseball, moving into the other sport, and that most likely, that television and radio again will have a new renaissance uh, because of the fact that people are going to be looking at going to games in a different way and returning to games in a different way and monetizing what they have as far as residual dollars in a different way going forward for the next five years.
3: Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I think that'll probably be the case. And I think we are also, because of the financial issues which you brought up, that's certainly one thing. And another is that we're also emotionally and psychologically starved for connection mm-hmm. that a shared live event, I mean, we, we, we're so used to those happening in, in, with sports. It's one of the few things that really allows that. And with the ability to stream any programming you want from any device at any time in any room in any part of the world, we've lost that shared communal experience. So when a series comes along like The Last Dance or like The Sopranos was, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was, like, you know, when, when Can't Miss Television comes along, I think now people are going to gravitate to it and desire it and need it more than ever, don't you?
1: Well, yeah, and, you know, take it a step further and knowing that the entertainment vehicle at home is so much more important and probably will be, knowing that when when conventional businesses, uh, law firms, uh, doctor's offices, everything else that uh, is essential to our life, our real estate companies, uh, you know, a- any type of office situation is most likely going to change dramatically as far as where workers work from. So, you know, you're you're going to see... We saw it to a certain extent after the real estate crash in 2008. We're going to see it again uh, moving forward off of this situation that uh, people that run businesses are going to rethink where workers need to work from even more, knowing that, uh, to the most part, people have been successful working from home and being efficient at it.
3: Yeah, no, it's true that some of the some of the financial adjustments that have been made out of necessity are indeed going to become par for the course. And I I don't some of those are not going to be great, um, but some of those are going to be beneficial. And either way, they're going to be a change and there'll be there'll be a lot to adjust to. God, the weather has gotten to a place now where, Bruce, we're like the evenings can be had with. The beverage of your choice on the balcony or on your front porch. Um, the mornings can be had with a newspaper and a, uh, if, if people still read those, or an iPad and an iced coffee or whatever the heck, heck you want. All that's missing is the ball game, frankly. Yeah. Uh, so when w- when that comes back, I, it's going to be a big sense of, whew, I think we might have made it through at least a little bit.
1: Yep. Uh, I'm just I'm just trying to uh, just imagine what. Uh, the sports world and going to games is going to be like uh, in the future, and uh, how that has been impacted uh, by this, and maybe permanently impacted as we move forward. But nonetheless, getting the games back is the key uh, to mm-hmm. us uh, finding other areas of entertainment. Obviously, you know people have listened uh, a lot to the score. They've listened a lot to Marquee. They watch Marquee. They've watched. NBC Sports Chicago uh, more. But, you know, the programming is, is creative and good and interesting, but we need that lifeblood of games to keep us going.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, and and it, it'll be very interesting to see what develops in terms of the uh, day of game experience and um, how, how people are going to be willing to get on transportation to get to games or not, how people are going to be willing to wait in long lines in proximity with each other or not could be a lot of adjustments that, that have to be made. Well, this this has been um, this has been fun, and hopefully informative, hopefully entertaining for folks. Uh, Want to thank our guests who were on today, Bruce.
1: Absolutely, Wayne Randazzo from the New York Mets a broadcasting team, our good friend from Chicago. Uh, had to remind uh, Matt that he worked at the score at one point, point. and uh, our our good friend John Lester of the Chicago Cubs, adding so much to the show. Uh, be listening to the score all day long. Our good friends uh, certainly coming up right now, uh, Steve Rosenblum and Mark Grody. People can follow me on Twitter, MLB Bruce Levine. I write on the score, Cubs and Sox at 670thescore.com. Have a great show tomorrow, Matt. What do you got up for Hit and Run? Uh,
3: Tomorrow on Hit and Run, Andy McCullough from The Athletic will help us kind of pour through the health and safety protocols and what the game itself might actually look like. And uh, Chris Kampka, as always, for Camp Connections, looking forward to that. Thank you, Bruce. Have a great week. You as well. All right. Rosie and Grody are next right here on the score. Adam Studzinski, great job, brother. Thank you so much for everything. Everybody stay safe and stay sane out there. See you tomorrow at 9 for Hit and Run.